This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Kara Shepard. You're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. And this is going to be episode 18 or 19, depending on what order I post things in. And I'm going to talk about keeping your critters, specifically goats and ruminants, but could be applied to all kinds of critters, uh, keeping them warm and what to do with them in the cold weather. Uh, Up here in southern Maine, southern New Hampshire, we're in the middle of a pretty good cold snap. Uh, Had the thing, almost the thing this morning where my husband like threw the hot water for, he was bringing out for the pigs in the air and it left steam in the air. It didn't freeze in the air, but it left steam in the air. Um, And it's a pretty solid snap of single digits hovering right above and below zero. Fortunately, we haven't had a lot of wind uh, the past couple of days, so that helps. But just going to talk a little bit about what I do with livestock when it gets cold like this, because it happens up here at this uh, in this part of the world. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you have any questions or comments, concerns, things you'd like to hear about, uh, please always feel free to email me at goat.cara at gmail.com. The website is goatdoc.com, and I'm on Instagram at goat underscore doc. Uh, Before I get into the episode here, I am going to be away, I'm going away on Thursday, and I will be, I'll be gone for about 10 days, Uh, if you're listening to this in real time, quote unquote, I'm going to try to post this episode before I go, I'm going to the, the VMX, the Veterinary Medical Expo or something, uh, down in Orlando, (laughs) Uh, so it'll be a nice break away from the cold. Uh, but I'm going for continuing ed for CE and I'm going to try and see if I can maybe line up an interview type thing with somebody. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, VMX, my husband and I go, uh, we went last year for the first time and we learn a lot and we have a good time. Uh, and it's nice to kind of rejuvenate and refresh and get inspired about vet med and learn about all the new stuff that's going on. So, um, yeah, maybe I'll have something fun when I get back from that to share. Uh, As always, this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or professional veterinary care provided by your primary local vet. And I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR, veterinarian-client-patient relationship with your local vet. All right, so I'm going to start just kind of chatting. I don't have any notes for this episode. I'm just going to kind of be talking about what things I change when uh, it gets cold like this. So I guess the the first and foremost thing uh, that 
is most important about when weather gets cold like this uh, is that your animals have some place to get out of the wind and make sure they're dry. Uh, wet and wind both significantly uh, in, impede, like, it's harder to keep warm if it's windy it's harder to keep warm if you're wet so especially for animals with with fur with coats all over their body if that coat is if the wind's blowing through it or if it's wet it's not going to be doing its job to insulate uh, goats tend to make uh, seasonally make a cashmere undercoat so like my Nubians get all fuzzy and poofed out uh, because they grow this undercoat starting probably like September, October, they start to grow it in. This time of year, they all look really fuzzy, and then they shed it out probably like April-ish. Uh, sometimes if it gets warm real fast, I'll help them shed it out by clipping their coat. Um, but uh, for to to help them grow that coat I always want them to have like a good plane of nutrition um they you know if they're not if they're meeting their minimum nutrition requirements they're not going to have a lot of extra to put into getting ready for winter so like good plane of nutrition in the fall is always good um there and another thing that's kind of important about this this time of year and looking at your animals and making sure that everybody's doing okay is that you got to put your hands on these animals you can't just go out and look and say oh everybody looks good and fuzzy and happy because you put your hands on them and all that fluff can hide a a thinner animal than you would expect. This is especially true for like fiber animals. Um, so you could be looking at your like cashmere goats, your angora goats, your sheep, your camelids, llamas, and alpacas. Especially sheep and camelids. Like you have to put your hands on them and feel what their body condition feels like. You're not going to be able to just look because they're it's like. It's like wearing a big old uh, snowsuit and you can't see what's underneath. Uh, I think I can post, There's. I think I've mentioned before, there's a really good American Dairy Goat Association video about body condition scoring. Um, I may have posted it before, um, but it's helpful to, uh, you know, be aware of what your animal's condition is like under their coat um, what I do is I kind of walk around my doe barn and I just put my hands on their lumbar spine so like lower back and feel for those spinous processes and what I want to feel is those not sticking out very much um, you know there's there's balance there certainly pet goats and things like that can be over conditioned and if you don't feel those spinous processes at all then they are getting plenty of food uh, but you, you know either way you they would be hiding that under their fur coat too 
I've had people have uh, animals be down and hypoglycemic and trying to die, um, and they didn't even know there was anything wrong because they hadn't put hands on them to feel that they were so thin in the winter. Um, and they'll get to a point where, like, goats will hide this. They'll hide it really well. Um, if they're behind in their nutrition, they're behind in calories, they're struggling to keep up, they're struggling to keep warm, they'll hide that. They'll stand there and stay with their herd mates and hide the fact that they're doing poorly until they can't anymore and then they just crash. So it's important to be aware of uh, what these animals feel like that their body condition actually is. Um, going back to like housing for a minute, a uh, couple things to think about for uh, where you're going to keep these animals in the winter. I mentioned already out of the wind and dry which is the most important thing. Uh, the next thing to think about is you, probably a lot of people have heard of something called deep bedding. Um, so that is a thing that uh, I think a fair number of people do in the winter in areas where there's a cold winter like this. Um, and basically what you do is you clean out the barn like in the fall, late fall, and then you don't until the spring. And under, you know, the, there's all the poop and the wet uh, bedding and all this stuff. And when it gets gross, you just put new fresh bedding on top of it. This, what this does is the, the bacteria and like the comp, essentially the composting action of those lower layers of the deep bedding is creating heat. Um, if you, this first, I think for probably most people, this is a little bit of common sense, but like you look out in your manure pile, like even our manure pile this morning where it's below zero, it's steaming, uh, that the snow on top of it's all melted and there's steam coming out of it. So that's an action active manure pile it's those can you know like a, a well-managed manure pile or compost pile can be like 140 degrees fahrenheit which is great because then it kills stuff too so that heat that is generated by the organisms in the composting bedding is essentially heating your barn too so that's nice. I mean, the draw. So then, the drawback of deep bedding is that in the spring you have a huge deep manure packed down bed of bedding and all that stuff to remove, and it is a lot of work. Um, uh, people, if you've got like a backhoe or a tractor or something, it is less work. So that's great, um, and it could be a good option if you do that. Um, what I do personally, what my husband and I do with our herd is we kind of do a combination of regular cleaning. So in the summer, we clean out our barn um, about once a week, depending on how many animals we have and how what the weather's like and if they're hiding inside because it's raining and they think they're going to melt and then they're peeing all over their bed um, and it gets dirty really fast or if it's nice and they're out grazing, then we don't. But... Um, yeah, so I would say like average once a week, uh, we clean out the barn in the summer, and we don't care about how um, like how much heat may be generated from the composting bedding because it's summer and it's warm. Um, the in the winter we absolutely like 
schedule our barn cleanings around the weather. So we cleaned the barn last like a couple weeks ago, I think. It might have been might have been right before Christmas that we cleaned the barn. And now it's, I think it's the 14th or something today. Um, so it's been almost three weeks. Um, and we're, since we're going away, we want to clean the barn before we go away. Um, but we're not going to clean it today because it is real cold. Um, especially for like my young stock, the doe kids that are the keeper doe kids this year. We, um, you know, we don't want to stress them out. We don't want them to have uh, this like, in, like, essentially they need to use more calories to keep warm and those, especially young stock, we want them to be able to use those calories to continue to grow. So they're just going to have to wait a couple of days and hopefully it looks like it's going to be warmer on Wednesday. Um, what kind of bedding you use probably is somewhat dependent on what uh, your geographical location is. In the Northeast, we tend to use like pine shavings for just about everything. I grew up with horses and horses were bedded with sawdust, pine shavings, um, and we tend to get like bagged shavings for our goats for the their like primary bedding material. Um, in other parts of the country, if you have access to straw, that is really nice bedding material. Um, we buy straw in once in a while. Um, it's really kind of expensive in this part of the country, uh, but it's really nice, especially in these times of year, like when we're doing the deep bedding thing, it's a lot more effective. It lasts longer for us to put, like we've got, we cleaned the barn, we've got the base of shavings, and then it, if we're deep bedding and it's time to put a layer on top, um, the straw works much better than shavings for a layer on top. The straw kind of like... I don't know it's like it acts like a sieve uh the goats will urinate and then the pee goes through the straw and tends to be drier on the top for longer than if we just put another layer of shavings over the top and straw works better than hay for this too straw t seems to like break down differently than hay hay really makes like when you're scooping it out it's like a carpet like a wet carpet like trying to shovel a wet carpet and straw tends to break up a little bit more so it's easier at least in my experience if you have access to straw i i really like it um sometimes if it's really cold but the barn's really gross and we're like we can't we can't not clean the barn um We'll clean it and then we'll bed it with shavings and we'll bed it with some straw on top. So that helps too. This is like how to clean your barn lesson. Um, yeah, so Tanya, just thinking about the the heat that's generated by that microbial action in your in your bedding. Um, you, and you'll notice, like in our our newer barn that's been at our we put up in 2012, so it's been there like six years now six and a half years um the we notice it's it's a nice barn it's tight that like very little wind gets through there the heat that the animals generate keeps the place warm um and when you go in in the morning uh you know you notice the difference between the outside and the inside almost invariably it's warmer in there on cold mornings like this uh and uh 
when we clean out, if it's been deep bedded and it's a little bit warmer, it's it's noticeably colder. So it's kind of it's a toss up, you know, how cold. If it's around freezing, if it's around, even if it's like 20 degrees, I'm okay with cleaning out the barn um, because they're they're fine. They're dry. They're out of the wind. They'll be fine. I often see people, it's always amusing to me on the internet, I see people who are in like, I don't know, South Carolina or like Louisiana or someplace south where if it's 30 degrees, that's really, really cold. Nah, man, they're fine. People want to get out like heat lamps and put blankets on your animals and things like that. It's totally unnecessary. You do not need to do that. Um... 30 degrees should be fine for an animal unless it is like severely debilitated or like if it was 100 degrees the day before and the animal is primed to be trying to get rid of heat and then suddenly it's 30 degrees the next day and they're not acclimated to that um, that makes a big difference too the so I mentioned heat lamps and talk about heat lamps for a second. I do not use heat lamps as a rule. I, my thing is for, for adult animals, they should not need it. Uh, out of the wind and dry, they should be fine. Um, we do for our kids in the spring, if we're kidding in early March, we try to not start kidding before March 1st at our place. Um, because we don't like having kids in the freezing cold. Uh, the We do have these, like, warming barrels for the kids because even, like, early March in Maine can still be freezing. We can still have these obnoxious cold snaps. So we have um, these heating barrels for goats, for the goat kids. So that's, like, a plastic feed barrel, and my husband permanently fixed a um like a, a light fixture a ceramic light bulb thing that goes on the ceiling um permanently fixed that to the barrel like screwed it on there wired in permanent wiring and uh so that goes on the bottom of the barrel and the barrel is turned upside down i can put some pictures of this in the show notes um, so you have an idea if you haven't seen one of these before these are okay for young like fresh kids in my book my husband's always like oh i gotta cook their little brains like he wants them to be so warm um but by the time they're like a week old, they're getting obnoxious. They should have been disbudded. Like they're they're gonna be fine unless it's really really cold. Like meh, they can pile into a goat pile and they will be fine in a nice bed of straw. The um, couple of caveats with these are you know with any electrical element or heating lamp ever, there's always a. Uh, possibility of fire so you need to be very safe with these use the proper like electrical circuits the outlets that snap off if there's a short and all that stuff um and uh yeah i mean glass heat lamp bulb having a wire basket over it isn't a terrible idea um 
and I, when the kids start to get big and obnoxious, they will like jump on these and they try to like put their little noses up on the lamp and they get really stupid and obnoxious about what to do with these barrels. They'll try to jump on them. Um, and the other thing is like you need to have adequate space. Like I would not, I try to not put more than four, average of four kids per barrel, and we divide them out like that so that uh, they're safe because they will, even if you have, so if you got like 12 goat kids in a space and you've got three barrels in a space, the, all the goat kids will try to get into the same barrel and they will kill the ones on the bottom by smothering them like it will happen so if you're going to use these make sure that you have very strict division of goat kids so they can't do that because they're stupid um blankets i also recommend avoiding because uh, that fluffy undercoat that we talked about earlier you're going to be smushing it down and smushing the insulation down and it's not going to be then their normal coat is not going to be as effective as it should be exceptions for putting jackets on goats if you have like you're at a show and your animal's clipped and it's the fall and it's cold they don't have that coat they don't have their own insulation so you need to provide it for them uh, I think the last thing to talk about is water, which is extremely important in the cold like this. Uh, we like heated water buckets, um, which with goats, you know, you have to be <laughs> selective about what kind of heated water thing you're going to use because they are goats and they will try to break it and mess it up. For our like communal, our doe barn has about 30 animals in it right now, and they have a big, uh, I don't know how, that's probably like 20 gallons um, water bucket, it's like a muck bucket, but it has an enclosed heating element in the bottom with a short cord that travels to a outlet that my husband put in that has, like it's in like aluminum, uh, casing, the wiring is in like whatever, conduit I think it's called, electrical conduit that protects the actual wire and then the outlet is covered by uh, an aluminum cover thing and then we put the water in front of it to minimize the goat's ability to mess with it. Uh, this makes a huge difference. Warm water makes a huge difference. And that availability for them increases the amount of water that they will drink because, first of all, if it's frozen, they can't drink it. And second of all, if it's really cold, it's like frosty around the edges and it's cold outside, you don't really, it's not really nice to drink cold water when you're outside cold like if you're outside doing something outside and you come in well, you're not gonna be like "Ooh, I would like a nice frosty beverage I would like a hot cup of tea so that is what we try to provide for them our animals that don't have heated buckets we will haul hot water in for them twice a day so that's like our old barn does not have like really accessible um 
like uh, outlets to each stall someday someday I have plans of how to design a barn so you can do this with it being safe for the goats and safe for the barn and uh, keeping them in warm water all the time uh, but so we we haul out hot water twice a day and they'll guzzle it because it, it feels good it's nice you know they drink a lot more water when it's available and it's really easy like this morning the the humidity or whatever it says like 57 percent on our little weather box i think but that is not a lot of humidity and uh that's that's pretty darn dry so you don't realize how dry you get when you when it's cold like this because you're not sweating but you're still losing water so it is important to to hydrate whether you're a human or a goat so I think that's all the things talked about deep bedding and blanketing and heat lamps and uh, it's the only other thing I would say here and I've said it before is try to have hay in front of your animals all the time in the winter when it's really cold because they need that forage to keep the rumen going really well and generate that heat. I definitely go through more hay when it's cold but I my animals are more comfortable because that that big old fermenting vat is churning and keeping them warm. So that's, that's my last cold weather tip from, from the Great White North. Uh, <laughs> I'm about to pull into a call, so uh, I will talk to you guys soon. I, if I get an interview at VMX, I will post it uh, as soon as I can, and uh, otherwise I'll get back on the, on the schedule when I get back. And if you have any questions, goat.cara at gmail.com. Uh, goatdoc.com is the website. And uh, goat underscore doc on the Instagram. Uh, stay warm, everybody. And I will talk to you soon.